Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alyndavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free. Welcome to Kindred, where we believe that when we recognize our interconnectedness with one another, we achieve higher levels of wellness for ourselves and our communities. In this show, we explore the meaning of mental wellness and we share vulnerability in order to create a more inclusive and supportive environment. Today, I'm excited to bring in Everett Ohl, who is um, a holistic lifestyle medicine um, specialized therapist who has training in EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and perinatal mood disorders. She holds a Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy, and she's coming up on one year in private practice this September. Congratulations, Everett, and welcome. Thanks, Aubrey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So I'm excited about all of these specializations. And you told me um, right before we got on air that you're full now. So does that mean that you have a waiting list? Uh, it means that I will start a waiting list for the next inquiry I get. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, finally full. So I have I have 22 clients right now, which for me feels like a comfortable caseload. Um, but that also is always changing too. I just graduated I call it graduation. I graduated two clients to move to every other week versus weekly because um, they're doing better now. So um, still sort of an influx. We'll see what happens with the wait list. You know, being a business owner, you're always, it's always nerve wracking, right? Yeah, you're like, okay, <laughs> well, somebody do I, know. Yeah, <laughs> do I have them wait or do I just put them in and try to squeeze them for a little while? So yeah, it's cha- it's a challenging thing to think about. And you said that prior to um, your practice that you were working in a hospital? Yeah, so during my um, graduate program, uh, I studied at ECU, East Carolina University, um, in the marriage and family therapy program. And my graduate internship there was working at Vidant, which is now ECU Health, but it's the largest hospital in pretty much all of Eastern North Carolina. Um, and I was working there in their inpatient rehab unit. Um, when pe- when I say rehab, people think it was like a detox uh, center, but no, inpatient rehab means somebody had, you know, a stroke, they have a spinal cord injury, they are a gunshot wound victim, um, car crash, amputation, pretty much any extreme, um, physical uh, injury or trauma that you can go through that then you would need to stay in a hospital for an extended period of time was who I was working with. Mm, Okay. So then the EMDR comes into play with the trauma of the event that they experienced. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. 
So for example, um, EMDR actually has a really nice uh, like grounding exercise. So much of EMDR is about that mind-body connection. And, you know, where do you feel it in your body? What are you noticing in your body right now? Let's go with that. Um, and so a lot of amputees that I worked with actually when suffering from phantom limb pain, you know, they are pushing away, avoiding, trying to ignore the discomfort of this phantom limb sensation you know they don't have a, the foot anymore but they're like my foot itches my foot itches right so oh. emdr was extremely helpful for that with folks um to actually tune in to those body sensations um what is that trying to tell me and nine times out of ten once you actually pay attention to it then it goes away on its own the avoidance and ignoring of it is actually what amplifies the sensation oh that's so interesting and so do you find there's like a common, um, well, like, like how long does that take usually for people to notice a difference in, in, um, the phantom limb experience? Honestly, sometimes it could just be one session. Um, it, it was really as simple as that with some people just by, <laughs> we're, we're actually going to pay attention to this. It could go away. Otherwise it could be like three to five sessions. Um, and obviously I didn't have say on how long they stayed with me. Right. It would just be like, well, the doctors, you know, decided your discharge date is tomorrow. So actually we only have one more session together. Um, but I would, yeah, I'd say could be in the first session, but normally probably three to five with most folks. Okay. Well, now you're in private practice. So I've, I imagine that your scope or your, your field kind of has expanded a little bit. I saw yeah. that you do perinatal mood disorder. So that's, that's a little bit different than what you were doing before, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, very much so. You know, when you're a graduate student intern, you have to, you have to try everything on the menu. <laughs> and see, see what you like, what speaks to you, what population you are I'm going to enjoy working with the most. So for me in the hospital, there were specific women that came in for birth trauma, um, an ectopic pregnancy, um, you know, having to have emergency C-sections, having to have, you know, hysterectomy right after delivery, things like that. They can have a pretty intense um, experience after giving birth. So those were actually the patients in the inpatient rehab that I really connected to, which made me pursue, um, once I started my own private practice, trainings with Postpartum Support International to better serve the population. Um, and now actually where I rent my office space is um, a part of a larger perinatal practice. So it's really nice to be able to, you know, collaborate with other providers and actually seek out someone who is a total expert in their field when it comes to this stuff. Um, and so much of perinatal care is like mind-body connection. You know, what's going on with our body today? How do we feel? Oh, I have morning sickness right now. Okay, we're going to do virtual sessions so you can have morning sickness in the comfort of your own home rather than having to come to my office, right? Um, so, yeah, so really got involved with working with pregnant women. And then now, actually, I think one thing that, you know, as I listened to tips and tricks and watched YouTube shows and, you know, listened to podcasts on how to start a private practice, it was really know your niche, really know your niche um and speak to this one population so in the start of my practice i really focused on the perinatal population um 
and kind of since doing this for a year, I've realized maybe that was casting the net a little too small um, mm -hmm. and to actually kind of expand that to just, hey, we want to work on your mind-body connection. We want to involve your body in the therapy room, breath work, body sensations, whatever that looks like. Sometimes just intentional silence. <laughs> Our body tells us things. So it's definitely expanded since then and kind of in response to um figuring out who my real target client is and who I'm going to have the best rapport with, who, who is going to be um, most like open and responded to this work. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how, um, how, like what types of results have you seen? You said that you had a couple of clients who just graduated to every other week. So yeah. you must be seeing some good results. I like to think so. You know, I think, I think, um, uh, it's funny, like in, I don't know, a different business, the result is very much based in numbers, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, this quarter we made $10,000 and next quarter we made $20,000. So we doubled it. So that's a good result. Whereas in therapy, the result is kind of gray. There is not a lot of like black and white result. Um, but for the most part, right, like what level of distress are you coming to me with? So kind of two questions I always ask at the start of session, how much sleep did you get last night? What's our stress level like today, scale of one to 10? Um, and so over time, you can see, you know, hey, I'm getting better sleep or, oh, yeah, my stress level is lower because we've gone over grounding skills because I have someone to talk to about this that I feel like is supporting me because we've set goals together that are helping me handle this in a different way. So that stress level can come down. So frankly, I would say the result that I notice that makes me say, hey, I don't think you need me every week anymore, is just the level of distress that they're coming to me with in our sessions. Um, so I guess the result is like a noticed increase in resilience or um, an expansion in like their window of tolerance. The same things are hitting them each day that, you know, they came to me with six months ago, but the way they can respond to them um, is just in the way they want to be responding. Yeah. So for those listeners who are out there who are considering, you know, going to therapy, right, and they, they're faced with this question of, okay, do I go to therapy and, and look for a therapist based on my insurance or not my insurance and, mm -hmm. and that's a really hefty bill for me to have to pay? Like, why would somebody want to pay that money? Uh, that's a good question. I'm asking you that because I know that you're, you're a private pay therapist, right? Yeah. So, like, you see clients all the time who take private pay. Yeah. Um, it just means that you're not dealing with insurance companies and there's no middleman there. Right. So obviously Correct. there's some advantages to that, but not everybody really knows what that is. So I was just wondering yeah. if you could speak to that a little bit. What are those advantages? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so I go out of my way. Sometimes that means I'm, I'm bending on my boundaries a little bit. Right. So one, I try to be available 12 hours a day. Um, so 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, so you're paying for a more accommodating or flexible schedule. We can see each other at seven o'clock at night. We can see each other at eight in the morning. Um, so that's one thing you're paying for is like, I'm trying to work with your schedule. The second thing you're paying for, not to say that providers who accept insurance don't do this, um, but I go out of my way to try to really provide you with resources. I want, maybe that's honestly my pressure that I put on myself um, to prove to them they're getting value for their money, right? I want to give you as many resources as possible. Not overwhelm you, we're going to have it stack it, right? But um, this week I'm sending you homework 
Next week, I'm sending you a YouTube video to watch on meditation. Um, the following week, we're actually going to sit down and your partner is going to join us and we're going to go through how we can better manage household chores, right? Like whatever, whatever is giving you that, that stress of the week, we're going to do something about that. So that's, that's one thing, right? Um, well, there's a lot of flexibility in that because even just talking about, okay, well, you know, having somebody's partner join a session, it's going to be hard to justify that through insurance, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've had partners, siblings, parents, <laughs> whoever you name it. Um, so yeah, a lot of people can join our sessions. Time-wise also is a little more flexible um, just in terms of like length of duration, length of treatment. Um, you know, to say for an insurance company to say, oh, depression treatment only takes six sessions. Well, you don't even really trust me until we've had a few sessions under our belts, right? For some folks, that's like four, five, six sessions. For some, maybe they do come in right off the bat, trusting me um, and ready to open up and ready to go there. But, um, you know, I'm responding to you, especially with EMDR, the trauma work we're doing. I'm not going to push that on you in session one, right? I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel safe. Um, and I want to respect that you are going to tell me your story when you're ready to tell me your story. And I'm super hyper aware of that because um, a lot of times in those situations, we either, when we have told the story, when it comes to disclosure, we haven't gotten a response we were looking for. So we might be more hesitant to share that. Um, or we just haven't told the story, period. We've actually like kept it inside for a very long time. So um, to, to ask somebody to open up and do that is, is a significant um, ask. And then I would say finally to answer your question is that like I am cognizant and I do try to, you know, be reasonable about time you're working with me. So um, for example, those two people I graduated, like I initiated that conversation, right? So I'm not going to like keep you around um, <laughs> you know, to keep, keep a client, right? I'm going to say, hey, I don't think you need me anymore. I'm ready to like push you out of the nest and you are now a baby bird who can fly away on your own, right? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, like everything that somebody would want in a therapist without all of the red tape barriers. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to be able to be flexible too, right? So some people might come to me for one thing. This is what I think I need treatment for. So I put that in, right? I prep the treatment plan. And then actually we discover, oh no, it's something totally different. Um, we kind of get to the deeper root or source of where the symptoms are coming from. Um, and we would have to totally shift that treatment plan, right? So that's another example where insurance could, could get in the way of that. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to kind of go into some of your own vulnerability kind of stuff. Like what are some things that keep you coming back to your practice? That's an easier one to start with. Oh, what keeps me coming back? Um, I mean, honestly, my clients, <laughs> um, you know, they, they, are wonderful. I learn things from them each week. Um, I have like a lot of respect for them. I think like mutual respect between both therapist and client is really important in the work that's happening. Um, and we can have like really deep conversations right now. Obviously, I'm not bearing my soul to them. I'm not, I'm not being vulnerable, but there is still like a level of vulnerability in, in listening um, and, and like deeply listening to someone like that. Yeah. Well, so have you ever experienced like in your own practice, um, 
like burnout or feeling like you were like, yeah, I'm not sure if I can keep this going or anything like that. Maybe not in private practice, but in your graduate mm-hmm. program or or even before that? Definitely, yeah, definitely in my graduate program. So actually prior to starting graduate school, um, cause I worked in like marketing in the corporate world before this. So there's some burnout there, but you're sitting behind, you know, a computer, you can eat lunch at your desk. You're not like on display all the time. Like therapy is like giving a speech. Like someone is looking at you, you know, I can't, I can't be eating while doing therapy. I can't be checking email while doing therapy. Right. I have to be fully present. Um, So before I started graduate school, I worked at Interact, um, which is a domestic violence shelter here in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, as a sexual assault response advocate to first kind of gauge what burnout would look like. Hey, how can I handle this? Um, And that was actually um, like that was a very fulfilling, emotionally fulfilling and rewarding experience for me. So that was kind of the first clue, like, okay, I think my burnout tolerance is okay to go into this field. And then once I was in graduate school, um, I had burnout, actually not from my clients. I really enjoyed working with that population, but actually just from the like bureaucracy and, and, and rules, kind of probably why I don't take insurance and why I have a private practice um, of you have to do it like this to get this grade you have to do this. I'm an expert. I've been doing this for 20 years. So this is how it should be. Um, And just sometimes the rules didn't really make sense. And sometimes my cohort and I would question things and um, we weren't really allowed to question things. Right. So I would say that was really, really exhausting for me. And I also felt like I was the voice of my cohort. So I would have to go to professors say, Hey, we're having this issue. Hey, we're having that issue. That was like pressure that was kind of put on me. And I was, um, very like burnt out by feeling like I had to be the sword and shield for the people that were in my, in my cohort. Um, and what then what a great point to highlight that it yeah. wasn't the client work that was burning you out. It was the fact that you had to deal with people telling you what was best for you and your clients mm-hmm. and being in the room without actually being in the room, right? Yeah. Like kind of dictating to you how things are supposed to be when you're kind of caught as a middleman because you're learning how it's supposed to be in your graduate program and the hospital's telling you you have to do it this way. So you're caught in the middle and yeah, it creates a lot of tension, a lot of stress there. Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, just like the power, right? Well, I'm the student, you're the teacher. Like I don't have power. I do have to just do what you tell me to do. Um, And I honestly, I hadn't really been in a dynamic like that in my life before, you know, even when I was working in the corporate world, like the CEO of the company would still listen to what I had to say and, and would, you know, have a conversation and engage. Right. So it was very odd. It was a, it was an unfamiliar experience for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. And then, um, in my own practice, yeah, again, I would say it's really not clients that burn me out. It's like the running of the business that can sometimes burn me out, which of course I chose it, right? I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted the freedom to make the choices and 
um, decisions. And like, you know, I'm getting on social media right now. So it's like, it's not um, clients that are burning me out. It's like, what TikTok video am I going to make this week? That is like <laughs> burning me out. I'm like, oh, I, I don't have any creativity. I have writer's block. Like, what am I, what am I going to post about now? So um, yeah, it's funny. Like the, the burnout occurs from, from other aspects of running a therapy practice. But for me, the client work is always actually like my gasoline. It's like the fuel in my tank that keeps me going. Um, it's all the other, all the other things that, that burn me out. I love your perspective on that ever. I think like maybe for the show title, I might call it something like fierce, fierce advocate for her clients or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I take that very seriously. I think, um, you know, I want to hold people accountable, but I also really do like want to be their biggest cheerleader. And like so many of us have this like self-criticism and self-judgment voice in our head. And, you know, I'm your therapist. I'm supposed to be like modeling behavior for you. Well, one thing is like being the self-compassionate <laughs> voice in your head, not the the criticism and judgment. So um, yeah, I, I take that very seriously. So Everett, how can people learn more about you if they want to get in touch with you either just to learn more about you or even um, to possibly inquire about being um a, a client of yours or, you know, maybe they just want to consult about private practice. Yeah, totally. So um, I have a very weird last name. <laughs> it's UHL. So by saying go to everdooltherapy.com, everybody's like, well, how do you spell Ool? So it's it's UHL. Um, so you can go on everdooltherapy.com. Um, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram at everdooltherapy. Um, and there's easy ways to contact me that way. And yeah, I love, um, I love talking about business and, and growing a private practice, building a private practice. So you don't have to just want therapy to reach out to me. You can also um, just want to talk about what it was like to build a practice in a year. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really enjoyed getting to talk to you today and I hope the listeners enjoyed it and um, be sure for you listeners out there to go onto bizradio.us to check out more show notes, to find those links, um, and be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.